Hey, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to the Revenue Formula. In today's episode of the 10% rule to double your revenue, we are going to prove to you that 7 times 10 actually equals 100. We're going to go through 7 pieces of improvement that are non-BS and are actually ideas of how to double your revenue. Then we're going to wish you the best of luck in your planning season coming up. It's a little bit more tough to be funny with someone else in the room, actually. Yeah, we have an auditor yeah. in here today. <laughs> so who's that? Now we need to say now it, actually. Now we need to say it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's our, our uh, wonderful intern. Yes. She's going to see how we produce a podcast. Anna. Anna. And I'm pushing her a bit to do an episode on, on our internal. I need to work, work her a bit, you know, get her convinced. We'll get there. We'll get there. You know, what I was up to this weekend... Tell me, I cannot wait to get. I was in a dance-off with a drag queen. <laughs> really? I, I think this introduction feels a bit over-engineered, <laughs> yeah. Mikkel. I mean, come on. We can cut that out. Yeah. That's fine. Let's see. Um, but actually, we're going to talk about something way more fun than dancing with a drag queen. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about why 10 times 7 is not 70. It's 100. It's 100 instead. And, and I'm obviously not great at math. We know that. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about that. And maybe before we give the answer, I think it's always a funny conversation on how you double revenue. Mm-hmm. And especially now, you know, we talked a bit about budgets are being reduced, but targets, they remain the same. Yep. And that's that's a really tall order. No, a lot of, a lot of investors are basically expecting you to suddenly snap to efficient growth. So you've been operating for the last two, three years on very inefficient growth. <laughs> and now you have a quarter to go from that to, hey, you know, you should really be hitting this 12-month payback thing we told you about. So and I think that is the expectation out there, right? And basically, you know, how that's being translated is growth roughly remains the same. Mm-hmm. Let's just say there's a bit of a haircut. Um, but budgets for sure, like minus 50% or something like that. Yeah. And we, uh, so we're, I'm a fan of Winning by Design. I know you also really love those guys and the work they're doing. And Jaco um, over there, he talked about actually this this 10% rule that we're going to get into, mm-hmm. which is really if you can improve just seven things, 10% throughout your funnel, that will equal to 100. Yeah, I think the math is not exactly 100, but basically now the, the, the you know, math avid, you know, listener will realize, oh, there's a compounding thing yeah, in here. And yeah. that's obviously what this is about, right? You basically kind of look at your funnel and you need to find seven spots that you can increase by 10%. And if you do that, you know, you'll get to roughly 100% over the, the course of that year or that, that time period. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've both benefited from this kind of, let's say, incremental improvement versus radical change, mm-hmm. right? And I think we've talked... A couple of times that it's always interesting to look at those big bangs you can do uh, because it's it's a massive bed rallies a lot of people there's a lot of things that needs to happen but there's just a big risk associated with that no for sure and i think a lot of executives get you know fall really in love with the the big shiny object kind of thing and i think the revops approach to that problem is really much more about instead of releasing a big new product or doing something bold in the US or, you know, jumping into the enterprise, it's really much more focused about the incremental improvements over time. You know, where can we tweak? 
And if we just tweak often enough, just even a little bit, you know, the whole thing will compound and mm. you will have a lot of growth suddenly coming out of this. Yeah. And I think we also, I recall when, when I looked into implementing, for example, Scrum, which is agile framework where you really want to release uh, fast and iterate and improve. I think the big takeaway there was when I looked at some of the bigger projects we had run, usually they would go over time because it's really hard to estimate how long will this project really take. And the same actually goes for the result. It's hard to estimate the results. So not only were we late, but we also didn't get the results we wanted. And that's, you know, there's a lot of risk on one item, which is why this 10% rule is a really clever way of going about growth. Yeah, and the, I mean, the I think especially the, the bigger bets, you know, there's something that's called desirability bias that kicks in. Mm. simply because you want it to be successful, you then plan it to be successful. But none of this really means that it's going to be successful, actually. No. Right? And I think some of the smaller bits that you can understand much better, you can time box it and you will still go over for sure. And sometimes you will hit the improvement and sometimes you won't. But instead of having one big thing, uh, you might actually having... Uh, you know, you might have end up having 10 or 20 of those things, mm. right? In this case, you know, specifically seven. And I think to, you know, come back to the whole budget conundrum here, the reason why seven times 10 is 100 is uh, interesting is that the the usual way around how people think about growth and think about doubling is basically by doubling all the inputs, which basically means they double all the cost. Right, meaning you need to hire the the double amount of uh, you know outbound reps that you have. Uh, you need to double your ad budgets. You need to double the amount of people in your marketing team, and that will result in you needing to double the amount of uh, account executives that you have in your team as well. And by doubling those inputs, you hopefully, ideally, in many scale ups, that's actually the case, and that's a, by the way a good thing. You will double your output, but in this current unique situation just doubling the input maybe isn't even a possibility. Mm. So you need to find other ways to actually achieve that doubling of outputs or you know, maybe you want to even go further than 2x, right? It's, it, it, it's always a, a mix of those things. And I think so we, we got a bit of feedback that it's very no BS mm -hmm. what we're talking about here. So what we should do now is actually transition the conversation. So we've now we've talked about this concept. Let's actually bring a couple of examples from basically our funnel. And I know you've you've mentioned one thing you did with um, with a form, actually. Yeah. So again, right, going kind of one step back here, really what we are talking about now is seven different things that we have actually done in our past mm. that increased our funnel at that step by 10%. And I think the purpose here is to get you guys uh, thinking and going on, hey, what else could we actually be doing? And it's not only hiring more people, there's a bunch of other things actually out there in the funnel that we could do, right? And I think some of these examples that we're going to go through, they're a bit, uh, you might say they're hacky, right? Some uh, of them could be dated even. So, yeah, probably some of them are probably dated and like uh, maybe yawning. Uh, <laughs> but let's but let's see about that, right? We'll go so, over them fast if yeah. you're... <laughs> um, so you mentioned um, you mentioned demo form fields. Yeah. So classic. that's that's a classic. Again, this is only a thing that the smaller the customer and the the larger the volume, uh, the higher the impact will be. So really, if you have an enterprise motion with ten solid inbounds a month, mm. this is probably not useful for you. But if you're a SMB mid market, and especially obviously if you're almost you know scratching on the B two C side. 
then something like that is really, really useful. We actually hired a an agency to help us with, uh, with CRO. In that case, it's not the chief revenue officer, it's a conversion rate optimization. And they went about this in a highly professional and academic way. I'm more than happy to maybe share, share the link somewhere. Uh, journey further, actually, that's mm. what they're called, whatever. And uh, one of the things that they started looking into is basically kind of our uh, demo form field, and this was at Plan Day. And uh, in Plan Day, uh, in the beginning, we had a, and for some reason, we also still needed that, I think seven or 10 different fields of information that had to be entered in order to jump into the trial environment. Mm. Some, you know, limitations, requirements for product, whatever. And basically, you know, we did a couple of experiments and see there, if you split those 10 fields up, not in, instead of having it in one long form, you know, think about it scrolling on yeah. your iPhone to fill this in, <laughs> um, to basically have it split in different steps, right? And then a the couple of psychology pieces kick in, like the first three is like, oh, that's not so difficult. Let's put in, you know, my name and my email and so forth. Then you click to the next one and then you realize there's the next one. But now you're already three fields in. So how bad can it be to add another three or four? And, you know, then once you're at seven, you're either frustrated uh, or you, you're going to, you know, give us the last two fields. And actually what it what it resulted in was, I think, actually more than a 10% lift at that specific stage. Yeah. Right. Let's just, uh, you know, recap. This is not for, oh, now, you know, revenue increased 10% necessarily, but at that specific stage, yeah. 10% more of um, uh, people that wanted to go into the trial environment we actually, you know, went through that step of the funnel. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny. So we did a, another piece just like this. We would never have done it with all the bigger projects because it's a small problem. It's mm -hmm. only going to improve, you know, a fraction of a fraction yeah. almost, right? But because you do multiple of those, it is going to compound. And one of the things we had learned was we got a lot of internal feedback from like employees not being able to find our blog on our website. And we had a, a team writing on that block. We were, you know, highly invested in building it out. And there were other pieces they couldn't find. And we basically saw in the data that the navigation was just not working. It, mm. Like it made no sense. Um, even on mobile, there were problems. And again, if we had taken another route to build, you know, uh, redesign the block or do another bigger thing, we would never have gotten into it. So we, had, we addressed the problem and actually, you know, also increased at a very high funnel, this was not even at a lead level, but at a very higher step in our funnel, improved the click-through rates to our blog, to our case studies. And that also has an impact because it, it helps build a relationship with, with those people who want to get to understand you. Right? Yeah. Um, and by the way, all of these um, all of these conversion rate optimizations, and you know, when when the, the, the word is CRO, uh, it's really usually website-based, but you have a lot of different conversion points also later in your funnel. Yeah. And uh, so this is actually what we're seeing today when we are talking to some of our customers or prospects and then there's a, a CFO on the call, it's it's all about increasing conversion rates for, for those kind of types yeah. because they know 1,000% that focusing on conversion rates equals efficiency, equals increased CAC payback, equals more growth with less money, yeah. right? So the, the whole, the whole uh, talking point always is around conversion rates everywhere across the funnel. Mm. So really, you know, starting a conversation, um, you know, on that topic uh, in your executive team or kind of bringing it up to executive team will be, uh, you know, very welcome right now. And I mean, you can look at it like a store, right? You can bring more people through the store and then have the same amount of average basket value or mm -hmm. average order value. Mm -hmm. 
but then you can also at the same time increase the amount of purchases being made meaning kind of what we're doing here you both want to work at getting more volume but also converting more of that volume yeah right i think the 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 feedback you will get internally is super powerful in this uh, in this kind of approach with increments and that's again you know one of the others was highly driven by by feedback the other nuggets we found we could not see it in the data by the way but the only way you could contact us was request a demo mm-hmm. that was the only way you could get in touch with us and that's not really great if you want to just figure out does this product support this software i'm using or w- whatever it really is so what we did was we we basically implemented uh, Drift, so web chat. A lot of companies have done it by now, but I think the difference is we didn't make it into a big project. We, we implemented it in two weeks because basically we just needed someone on the chat and we needed a simple way to figure out, hey, if someone then wants an actual demo, how do we do it? And we had a spreadsheet. And at this stage, you know, we, we had a big tech stack, we had a lot of reporting, but we decided to keep it simple just to validate whether it actually had an impact. And you know what? We produced, I think, 20 opportunities more a month. That was a significant volume for us at that stage. So that is obviously the, the first question you're going to get from anyone in sales is like, well, wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't these guys have signed up anyway? Yeah, and I, I think no is actually the answer because you you get such a short amount of time to convince people to talk with you and especially if you're in a highly competitive industry where there are substitutes well then they're just going to go elsewhere and see whether there's an answer and then a fit there right and i think that opened up an opportunity for us to talk with someone who said hey do you integrate with software x and we were going to yes what are you trying to solve and then they said, well i need to yeah. do this and that and you could do some more value on top right no a thousand percent and i think you know to really put this into perspective so this was with falcon we were selling social media management software and we we're kind of in the mid-market and we had a couple of competitors that were basically smb self-service mm. full-on product-led growth edging into our area and uh, everyone that you know came to us because they felt like oh this those are the right guys but then they couldn't find pricing. Yeah. They only could request a demo. It's like, oh no, this is going to be expensive and I actually don't want to talk to a sales guy. Let me go somewhere else, right? So I think this whole, um, hey, let's have a chatbot in place really helped to catch some of those people. Mm. And actually on that point, it's you know, it's not on our list here, but um, putting pricing online. <laughs> okay, left turn. <laughs> and and you, know, you know, maybe this is a whole episode by itself, but actually one quick piece of advice if all of your competitors are putting pricing online, you should be thinking about putting pricing online. And this is really, you know, hey, there are a thousand other reasons, by the way, but the problem is if people are coming to your website and they're comparing you against those two, three others. You're not going to consider And, you know, sometimes, you know, funnily enough, they have some intern researching this and, and they don't want to reach out and kind of ask you for a price and stuff. And then you're basically kind of, whoop, being removed from the list, basically, mm. right? So maybe that's another ten percenter, but that's going to be a fun executive conversation. Yeah, right? that's. The, I I feel like that's maybe two episodes on how to navigate yeah. that <laughs> mm. that that whole thing. I mean, so that was really the marketing side. Yeah. Right, and that's just one step in the funnel. There's also then you generate some leads and some opportunities. That's when it passes yep. over to sales. And I know you've you've spent a lot of time obsessing over sales. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to see, you know, what what uh, what you've experienced there. Yeah, let's go. 
So obviously we at Grobos, we look at the whole spectrum. Actually, we're not only mm -hmm. looking at marketing or at, you know sales. We look at the whole thing. So really kind of the next three items here are dedicated to, to sales predominantly. And um, one easy one, and I think a lot of thought has gone into that over the years. Basically, we had an outbound team that was consistently, and we're talking 50, 60 people at this point in time, consistently got to, on average, 10 meetings held. Yeah? Uh, 10 meetings held per month per outbound rep. And then we kicked off a, um, a whole effort to try and get to 11 of those. Yeah? And that was uh, an effort across increasing uh, commissions, buying some more tooling for researching, adding some more management headcount to make sure we, don't, we have the right ratios and so forth. And it worked out to a little bit of an extent, not fully, by the way. Uh, but if you get this done, if you get from 10 to 11 or get from 9 to 10 or whatever, this is this is a 10% gain that's pretty massive mm. uh, when, you, when you think about the scale we had at that point, right? And also it was really a massive gain in terms of CAC payback improvement because suddenly with the exact same amount of resources, you were able to generate 10% more business, mm. right? And by the way, I think this is one of the things that many CFOs tend to miss is not only looking at the conversion rate, but also the per unit, so this is very technical, but the per unit production, right? And in this case, SDRs going from 10 to 11, that is just as much of a, a conversion rate gain or efficiency gain rather than only focusing on a 10% uh, conversion rate improvement, mm -hmm. right? So this is really on the outbound SDR side. Um, not sure if everyone is having something like that in, in your team, but really trying to get them up from where they are and right now to one more a month is actually a massive improvement. Mm. Another one is, and and I'm not sure how much this is now a standard by now, it's actually to, in a world of recurring revenues, you really want to steer away from recurring discounts. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, you obviously have you know monthly recurring or annual recurring revenues, and that's what you're really proud of. Your investor is looking into that. But sometimes your sales team will ask you to, um, you know, approve a discount. And instead of making this an infinite discount, you know, 10%, 20% for forever, uh, basically put in place something that limits that discount to the first year. Hey, I can only give you, you know, the 10% discount, 20% discount for the first year, and then we need to go up to the normal rate. Or you can even say like, hey, the... We started calling it the introduction mm. period. Uh, so basically the first two, three months of onboarding. So we usually did it in a month, but it doesn't matter. We basically said like, hey, for the first couple of months, we basically give you the uh, software for free. So we give you the first two months off or first three months off, which basically then accounted for a, what is that, a 20, 25% discount yeah. uh, for the year, right? Um, but then resulted also in capping that discount to that point in time. And... You know, you won't feel the impact on day one. You will feel the impact a little bit later on. But depending on how you account for it also, you might see a natural upsell, so net retention rate actually happening, happening from that, right? So it's really powerful. And then maybe the last one here on, on the sales side, and again, right, this is around ACV. Mm. Um, so the same with the one-off discount, but this one now is implement a discount hierarchy. And... 
sounds super boring. I I know, I know, I know. Um, we lost the listeners. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But really what this means is instead of the first point of, you know, prospect asks sales rep, hey, can you give me a discount? Ooh, this is really expensive and, you know, my budget and whatever. Instead of the discount, uh, instead of the rep going to, okay, 20%, introduce a discount hierarchy, introduce different steps in here. And the first step could be, well, I can give you um, the first two months off. Uh, the next step could be, well, I could give you 10% of the first year. Or, hey, if you sign up for two years, I can give you this kind of discount. Blah, 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 blah. Create like five or six or seven different steps. And then only the bottom rung should be, okay, 20% in perpetuity forever for you. And the psychology here is everyone will always ask you for a discount. There's no way everyone will ask you they will expect mm. a discount. And instead of jumping to, you know, the, the best thing that you can offer, you kind of go through the list and prospects will basically, you know, not have the mental stamina in this negotiation to keep asking again and again and again and again and again, right? They will ask once, twice, three times, and then this will feel very awkward at that point. And then they usually stop. I think it's also important to note, usually when you start talking price, it's because someone actually wants to buy it. Yeah. And, and I recall when, when I've, you know, went out and purchased software and collaborated with you to, to kind of land it at the right level, there's always the final push where it hurts a little bit on, on you as the potential buyer to go and ask again. But, but it is a thing and some they plan it out extensively, some they will just buy it and you're lucky. But I think it makes total sense to have that plan in place so you also don't get stuck in the conversations over and over again internally, right? It provides a lot of clarity yeah. for everyone. And then there's, you know, on this one, then there's reality sometimes hitting where someone is like, mate, my budget is this and it's a real budget. I'm not joking. And it needs to be this number. And obviously then jumping through those, you know, five, six steps of discounts, it's kind of awkward. So you need to, you need to find a way to, you know, reality check it. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a really good way to make sure that um, your reps are... Uh, not just dishing out the 10, 20, 30 yeah. percent on the first question. So I think that kind of fits nicely into one of the last the last pieces. So I recall we started introducing annual price increases and I felt like, well, you know, sure, that's an easy way to increase revenue, but I didn't really get the purpose of why. And then I heard this thing, well, the smart thing is not the first year you increase the price because you have existing customers paying at a certain level next year is when it gets interesting because if you had just raised the price 5% and you do it again, it's compounding mm -hmm. for you. And that's that's the way to look at it, which is really, really clever. And and there's all kinds of other benefits of actually increasing your price. But that's something you know you you started introducing as well as a way to kind of lift uh, and improve. So this was this was not at Falcon, this was actually also a plan day thing. Mm -hmm. And the the thing here is if you have a formal process with an order form and there's a negotiation and the discount, you know, sneaking in a two, three, four, five percent increase every year, it's kind of awkward. So I think in the upper mid-market enterprise, the annual increase in price is a little bit difficult to push through. I think you need to be more intelligent about it and have like actual products or hey, the whole baseline now is increasing. Mm. HubSpot, for example, is excellent at that. But in this case, you know, SMB, maybe lower mid-market, having a, a piece in your contract that says, you know, there may be a price increase up to 7% a year or something mm. like that, that can, you know, it's is very easy to slip in and basically then opens the door for you to, you know, potentially do it, right? Mm. And uh, when we did this, at, in this case in Plan Day, it was uh, really successful. Yeah? And it's, 
it helped us. It was almost, um, you know, was Corona. We weren't growing that that much at that time. You know, SMB hospitality. It wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't a soft market at that point. But it basically helped. I think it got us like a full worth of a quarter, basically, of you know additional revenue coming from our existing customer base, right? By just doing you know one incremental price increase. And obviously, yes, that totally compounds next year, and that that can be a nice source of uh, of of growth for you. That is very very cheap in many cases. I think it's also pretty common these days to actually yeah. increase the price. And it's not that you have to be rude about it. The reality is you're going to have an RD team that keeps on developing the product, so you can justify that increase as well. It's just a matter of how you yeah. Bring and it out. and now everyone will say, well, inflation. <laughs> True. No, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm just waiting for that to roll through the market. Everyone is just going to hike prices by five to eight percent. And why? Well, inflation. And and it makes perfect. You know, sadly. It makes perfect sense for everyone. Yeah. You know, not your fuel or your groceries go up, uh, but your SaaS product as well, mm -hmm. right? And and there you go. So this is this is probably going to be one of the easier ones to to achieve probably this year. Yeah. Then we have the last and final. Yes, the last one here is on the list is really uh, you know run QBRs not internally but with your customer. Mm. Again, this is something that you probably won't be able to do with uh, SMB folks in that sense. I think this is more of an upper mid-market enterprise play. And really the idea is to put together a quarterly business review, sit down with your customer, and it doesn't need to be uh, you as the leader or something like that. That can be a CSM setup as well. Take them through the things that are obviously important to them and important to you, right? There needs to be kind of a shared space. And then simply ask them, you know, what else can we do for you? What, what other problems do you have that me, we maybe can solve for you? And don't pose it as the account manager that needs to hit target next week, but pose it as the CSM that's curious and really wants to help. You will be surprised about the honest answers you get back. Solve those problems for those customers and upselling them and retaining them will be less of a problem afterwards. Mm. Huh? And um, you know that can probably take you a gross churn down by a couple of points that might accumulate to 10% increase uh, in total. But it also opens up the opportunity to basically push, uh, you know, potential other pieces of product to them. And yes, sure, do an upsell on top of this. Yeah, I mean, I've only experienced one SaaS company for me who did it, but I was always looking forward to it because there were so great insights to make more leverage of that solution. And you're actually interested in that because you're paying money for it. I didn't know that you were a Groblox customer before. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's getting to be planning season. Yeah, I really hope this is a helpful way to frame how you're gonna grow. If budgets are coming down, more focus on CAC payback, and and even if they're not, right? I still think switching the mindset a bit and looking at the funnel, uh, where can you actually make a concerted effort? And and I think a lot of teams are actually gonna be very happy with with that approach. And, and in reality, it's going to be a mix of those two things, right? Our seven items here are very much conversion rate or ACV focused. Mm. I think the mix will be you will increase your marketing team and your sales team by a couple of percent points, and you will find a couple of those projects and in combination that might get you to 100%, right? It's not only conversion rate or uh, more, more resources. Mm. It's the combination of both. Yeah. Have fun with planning. It's going to come up probably in the next few months. Your CFO will love you for all of these things that we just kind of walked through. 
and uh, I hope that this got you going and got you to the point of hey wait a minute shouldn't shouldn't we be doing this instead should we you know invest in that piece of uh, uh, you know increasing our conversion rate and whatsoever and um, yeah good good luck growing and have fun growing thanks for listening have a good one so what does the intern say good app there's clapping Seal clap. <laughs> <laughs> oh.